When you do it at home and you're not going out, that's one thing. When you do it, you know, in public or you're driving, you know, with very high levels, that's probably not the safest thing in the world. Like I said, we need a world of people. I hope everybody here becomes smarter with decisions because I've made some stupid ones and I've made some good ones. And the only thing that works in life is the non-stupid ones. brain is still the wild west frontier we don't understand it they said if you do too much of these psychedelics he doesn't recommend it just because of the unknown factor everybody welcome today to the ty lopez podcast radio program i've got a very special guest dr david agus we're talking about can you live forever is the science there we're talking about the most cutting edge breakthroughs uh dr agus is a pioneer in the field of personalized medicine and cancer research he's a professor we're talking about his book the lucky years new york Times best-selling book thanks for being here oh it's my privilege he was on with joe biden he was, he's been doing presidential talks. So I'm very honored that you're here with us. And, um, you know, we we're doing this pre-show and live. If you had to say the three most exciting medical breakthroughs that are going to affect the average person listening in the next two years, what would they be? In any, anything related to our health. All right, there's one. And it's a molecule that was molecule of the year last year, which I know you paid attention to. Yes. And you were just waiting for it to Academy be unveiled. <laughs> it's called CRISPR. And so CRISPR is an enzyme that allows you to change one of the three billion letters of the DNA code. So I can go into an embryo. It was just done last month. They changed an embryo that had a genetic defect in the heart, and they were able to fix it. Huh. You're going was to see in China or something? It I wasn't originally it. in China, but it was done in Arizona last month. It's also in your book. It's in our book. <laughs> and then tomorrow, you're going to see the front page of all the papers is yeah. a new FDA-approved therapy where they took the immune cells out of a child. Yeah. And they changed the cells to go back and attack their own cancer. Yeah. And it just got FDA-approved. So the notion that I could change these cells and let them attack your own cancer. So changing a DNA is one. Yeah. The second is what we call the microbiome. You have yes. tenfold more bacteria in you than human cells in you. So these bacteria, they control what you absorb, how you absorb it. They control many aspects about you. So right now, if I take bacteria from a fat mouse mm -hmm. and put it into a skinny mouse, they gain weight. Hmm. And the converse is true. So we are going to start to change diabetes, obesity, by changing the bacteria in our GI tract. Mm -hmm. It really is an amazing finding that starts to change everything. Mm -hmm. And the last one is, but we start the book as in a story. And the story is of a woman named Wanda Ruth Lunsford, who Wanda published her first paper in the 1950s, where she took an old rat and a young rat. She tied their skin together. Yes. So after- Young blood. Three <laughs> weeks later, she looked in that old rat, and the gray hairs had turned brown. Yeah. The heartbeat stronger. The new neurons growing the brain. She claimed she reversed aging. Well, they kicked her out of science, and they thought she was crazy. Dracula, Frankenstein- and then what happened is last year, three separate labs at Harvard, at Stanford, and at uh, 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 University of California, San Francisco, repeated Wanda's experiment, and it worked. Yeah. And what they showed is, is at age 25, and you and I, our stem cells go to sleep. Yes. And with proteins now that are present in young individuals, you can turn those stem cells back on. 
So science now is moving, identify those proteins and give those proteins to elderly who have fractured their hip in a clinical trial to try to make them heal quicker. Mm -hmm. People with Alzheimer's, that is degenerative nervous systems in the brain, to see if we can reverse some of those aspects. We're doing it in cancer. You know, cancer in kids is 90% curable. Once you turn 25, that right. same cancer is incurable. Is that because of the stem cell, the difference in the stem cells? Well, it's because, you know, cancer is a disease of the body. It's a verb. You're cancering. It's not something the body gets. It's something the body does. And so if I can change the body, maybe cancer won't happen. You know, an mm. amazing study came out last year where they looked at the eyelid. It's the only part of your body that you don't put sunscreen on. And in 100 straight people, they all had DNA changes to cancer, yet none of them had cancer. Huh. Because in order to get cancer, you need a DNA change, but you need an environment that's receptive. Right. So the challenge is not just targeting the cancer, but changing the body so cancer doesn't want to happen. So is the biome, is that things, when I think of biome as a layman, I think of probiotics and things like that. Is that what you mean by the biome? Yeah, so probiotics are some of the bacteria on our GI tract, but you have 20,000 different bacteria in you. So an amazing clinical trial came out last year. It was the coolest. They took 20-year-olds. And they gave them any of the FDA-approved artificial sweeteners, mm-hmm. all those aspartames and all that stuff, the new, anything in Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi. They did that. After two weeks, every single one of the 20-year-olds have markers of diabetes or prediabetes. Yeah. And they said, oh, my gosh, that's interesting. Then they gave them antibiotics followed by the artificial sweeteners, no diabetes at all. Yeah. So what the artificial sweeteners did is they changed the bacteria in your GI tract to push your system to diabetes. Huh. Which is why all the trials to use those artificial sweeteners to lose weight didn't work. And the doctors right. had the gall to say, well, fat people sneak food. That's why the trials didn't work. No, they got the science wrong. Yeah. Now, let's go back. Okay, so some of you watch TV. You see um, Silicon. There's this you know, Silicon Valley TV show, and there was an episode where a wealthy billionaire goes in there, and he gets somebody's blood, young person's blood, and he puts it, and it's kind of like this Dracula event. I think they call it parabiosis or something like this. Um, one of my, I have a friend and business partner, and this guy has tried every anti, he's very wealthy, he's middle-aged, and I guess he's decided he wants to live forever. So he's gone and done ozone therapy. He's been to Malaysia. He's been to Europe. He's done, you know, PRP kind of stem cell stuff. But he did this parabiosis, and he said it's the greatest thing he's ever done. He said, he did it once? He did it once, and now he's so, done it twice. So one time or two times has zero effect on the body. Okay. You need to do it a minimum of six, eight So months. you think it was a placebo effect? 100%. We're going to put this a teeny bit closer. 100% a placebo effect. Huh. I, you know, we gave him protein, and he feels better because he got protein, but it did not affect his aging or his stem cells at all, unfortunately. So on the, so some basically, just so you know, you take blood plasma, like, Somebody who donated blood between, what, 16 and 25, I think it is. You take younger blood plasma. And yeah. we don't need the whole plasma. All we need is about four or five proteins now that yes. are being identified that can turn on these stem cells. Right? There are companies now that are using blood plasma from young people to make money. So yeah. anything that just makes money without science behind it, I'm kind of not behind. Yeah. And I want to push toward the data. But there's no question that all of us, we're in these lucky years, we're going to benefit because we're going to be able to turn on those stem cells rather soon to affect aging. And you said six or seven of these transfusions. Well, you're going to need the them sign. for the rest of your life. Yeah. You, don't, you start to see them at six or seven. So at about you know, four or five months of doing it, every two weeks, uh-huh. you can start to see this. Huh. The problem is, is that you know, very intrusive you for that. somebody it's to do. It's very intrusive. It's very hard to do. But when we have these proteins, it's going to be just like taking a baby aspirin a day, which, by the way, has enormous health benefits. 
Yes. We're going to do the same thing by taking things that turn on our stem cells. Yeah. We don't know the harm, though, is the problem, right? Right. Mice live a couple of years. Maybe by turning on our stem cells, we're going to have more cancer. Cancer, We're right. going to have more heart disease. We're, we don't know the negatives yet. We know the potential positives from these animal experiments. So in people with disease, the Alzheimer's, the cancers, it makes sense to do that. But yeah. in a normal individual who's your friend is 50, I wouldn't do it yet. Now, McKenna's here. For those of you watching, we have Maya, my cousin. We have McKenna. We have Zach. Uh, you had a question, and your question was about a diet. Can you ask that question? Yes, the ketogenic diet. Um, oh. I'm a personal trainer, and diet is about 80% of your results. And I've done quite a bit of digging. And for myself and for most women in particular, even my mom helped her lose weight. The ketogenic diet worked really well. Now that's a high fat, moderate protein, very low carb and almost no sugar diet. And doctor over here tells me that it increases cortisol, which is your stress hormone. You don't want that. What's your opinion on the ketogenic diet? What I say is very simple. It's, you know, what's your metric? You know, if you just want to lose weight today, it's Mm. probably a very efficient way to do it. But if you care about how long and how well you live, yes. it's probably not a safe thing to do. Yes. And so you don't want to stress your body. So all these no, people talking don't. about these intermittent fasting diets, the ketogenic diet. Any diet with a name automatically tells you it's probably not the best <laughs> thing to do. Somebody's selling something or pushing something. I mean, that's that's clear. The data show in every randomized trial, the mm-hmm. most healthy diet, because our goal is to live, play with our grandkids, to yes. live long and well. Yes. Yeah. The best diet by far is the Mediterranean diet. Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So remember, it's also not just what you eat, it's when you eat. Yes. Mm -hmm. So people who graze, that is snack, have a dramatically higher rate of diabetes. Mm -hmm. They don't think as well and they don't exercise So you're saying it's better to eat distinct meals versus eating all day. I don't know what the word distinct means, but (laughs) your meal's regular. You eat breakfast, lunch, dinner. No question about it. We weren't made to graze. You know, kitchen cabinet never happened until 100 years ago. No. So through evolution, which is a million years, we made the kill in the wild. We ate it as a family, and we had the leftovers in the morning, so two, three meals a day. So the key is eat your meals at the same time. Baseball players, when they shift a time zone in their meals, they lose batting points percentage-wise. Yeah. Mm. And so the key really is that exactness. Every morning, have your breakfast around 7 yeah. or whatever it is. Your lunch yeah. the same time and your dinner the same time. Your body will do better. If one day you have a snack in between, you grab an apple— it throws off your insulin, your cortisol for two, three days. Yeah. So metabolism goes down, you gain weight, you don't think as well or exercise. What about the question of protein? Every bodybuilder you talk to, I was over at Arnold Schwarzenegger's house, and he's, you know, he kind of go by one gram of protein per pound of body weight. A lot mm. of people say that's too much. That's too much. Do you think the traditional USDA recommendations are on the right track? Because USDA is recommended hydrogenated oils and they've had mm-hmm. Twinkies on the, you know, in the seventies. Oh my gosh. What do you, what do you, again, it's Mediterranean diet, right? Okay. You want protein and fat at every meal with some carbohydrates. Simple. That's what it. is the Mediterranean? Eat real food. What's the break? What's the breakdown? Do you know roughly? Is it a 30, 30, 30 kind of breakdown? Your body's pretty good at deciding what to absorb. Okay. And so, you know, what do I eat? You know, breakfast, I alternate between heart healthy eggs, between uh, you know yogurt one day, hard cheeses the next day, lunch I have a salad with protein on it. You know dinner I have a protein, predominantly fish and chicken. Once a week I have grass fed beef, mm-hmm. and you know lots of vegetables with it, olive oil, all the good oils. I have a glass of wine at night, and that's a healthy diet. What about coconut oil? This has been in the news because coconut oil—it <laughs> seems like it vacillates between coconut oil is the greatest thing for you, and then this new study comes out and it's so bad for you. 
There's no study showing a real benefit to coconut oil. Coconut water is a whole different thing. You know, okay. in World War II, we didn't have blood for transfusions. We actually went right from the coconut to the vein. Because huh. wow. coconut water has colloid and electrolytes. It's very similar to human plasma. Mm. When you drink a glass of water, it distributes throughout your whole body. Oh. When you drink coconut water, it stays inside the blood vessels. So one glass of coconut water is like two or three bottles of regular water. But let me bring this up. So Chris Paul is a friend of mine. He plays pro basketball now for the Houston Rockets. And all those guys, not just Chris Paul, they swear by these tests that test for food allergies. So there's one called Cyrex um, that oh, I've done, uh, the ELISA test and things like that. Have you, and it makes sense to me that people are different. Now, I did a Cyrex test for my own blood, and the most fascinating thing is every single thing that I don't like, um, I'm slightly allergic to. So, for example, steamed tomatoes. Um, it's, it's bullshit. So you think it's BS? It's not that I think it is. That's what the yeah. data show. Okay. So Hippocrates, 2,400 years ago, used to keep a diary. He'd eat something and see how he felt. If he didn't feel good, he didn't eat it anymore. Listen to your body. These tests don't make any sense. And there's somebody trying to make a buck off you, but there really is no data behind them. If you eat milk and you don't feel good, don't have milk. Yeah. If you eat, you know, whatever it is, just listen to yourself. That is the best way to do it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have the technology now to find allergies in the blood very well. Yeah, true. But the body, it's tricky because modern food tricks you. If it's any kind of process, you, for example, coconut water. Some coconut waters have added sugar. Um, well, but the key is eat real food. Don't eat the processed things. Okay. Don't take the supplements. Don't take the vitamins. Don't take the pills. Eat real food. Dr. Agassiz doesn't take vitamins. I'd like to, if I could, real quick. Um, <laughs> I listen to my body, so I, I'm really interested. I want to get back. Sorry. Uh -oh, I heard I a laugh. I don't think my mic is yeah. working, no, so I'll on. use this one real quick. Um, you, I want to get back to what you said about wine. You, you yes. said you do wine every night, and I really like Oh, I thought you were saying that I wine. <laughs> no, no, no. no, I just wanted to bring it back yes. to you. I, I listen to my body. My body says have wine a lot, so I didn't know <laughs> how much wine you recommend. So alcohol is a depressant, right? When you drink a bunch of alcohol, you fall asleep. And three, four hours later, you wake up again because mm -hmm. you get a rebound surge in adrenaline. Alcohol has health benefits. They're clearly cardiovascular benefits. In women, it slightly increases the risk of breast cancer. You don't want to drink too much. It's moderation. So if alcohol is affecting your sleep, you're drinking too much. So I know if I have more than two glasses of wine, it affects my sleep. So I try to stop at a glass and a half. Can you do that, Zach? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's another podcast. That deals with self-control. He didn't say, <laughs> he didn't say one gallon. He doesn't stop at one gallon. Now, one of the things, I think the most confusing thing for people watching and for myself is that Every piece of science, when you read a scientific report, it seems like within six months, the opposite comes out. Yeah. So oh I've seen things that say wine are amazing for you, and, they, and I've seen uh, uh, other reports that say the benefits don't outweigh the negatives. Do you think that part of the answer could be wine's better for some people and should be avoided by others. Oh, no Same question about coffee. it. If you have a family history of breast cancer, oh, yeah. you have wine, you're going to increase your risk of breast cancer. That's real. Mm -hmm. And so everything is contextual. Right. And you're right. The media take things out of context all the time. A study came out six months ago, and the headline was, meat causes cancer. So what the data in the study show is that processed meats mm -hmm. every day yes. for 20 years raise the rate of colon cancer from 4% to 5%. Wow. That's so, it? 
Processing. So it's real, right? Meat does cause cancer. Yeah. But first of all, if you have processed meat every day for 20 years, a hot dog a day for 20 years, yeah. you have a psychological problem that's yeah. totally different. Yeah. But to the average you person, in Arkansas. this headline was irrelevant. Well, there's nothing wrong with Arkansas in particular, but, the, uh, but, but this headline was irrelevant to the average person. So it's really putting things in context that's key. But the other point you made I think is critical is that 80% of scientific studies after 10 years are disproven. Yes. So it matters where the study is, who did the study, what journal it's in, and that is critical. So if you read a study on the internet, because you're going to find everything on the internet, and you don't see it the next day in the New York Times or Time Magazine or on CBS, I do the CBS Morning Show. If we're not yeah. talking about it, it probably isn't that accurate or right. that important. So if it's Harvard and it was done on 10,000 people, it's probably a lot better than if it's, you know, a... a food company that commissioned a study to exactly. back up. There are lots of medical journals where you pay a fee and they yeah. publish your paper. Ooh, yeah. fun. So nobody looks at it and it just gets, well, I have a published paper. Yeah, but it's in a journal you never heard of. Yeah. If it's not New England Journal of Medicine or a journal title you've heard of, it's probably not that significant. Now, why do you say that supplements are are worthless, all of them? I know some would obviously be it's but, not me saying that. It's the data but saying do you, that. But is there no data that shows people benefiting from supplements? There is yet to be a study in the history of man or womankind showing a vitamin or a supplement having a benefit to a normal individual ever. But what about if somebody's sick? Do any of your friends have scurvy or rickets or right, beriberi? Right. Yeah. So if somebody is sick, you know, in general, there are medicines that have been shown in randomized trials mm -hmm. to have benefit. I don't know right now of a supplement that works in those situations or a vitamin. I wish there will be. And I'd be the first to say, do it if there's data behind it. So but let there, me, can I play devil, devil's advocate? So yes. I, I, one of my first businesses was in agriculture and the food business. In the United States, every animal that's raised that we eat, whether it's dairy or beef, the farmer's supplement. Now, there's no placebo effect on animals. The USDA recommends it. Um, whether it's mineral, uh, a mineral mix for every single cow that we're eating, is the USDA and all their science, because farmers are the cheapest people in the world, are, if, are they all misguided? They no, should just no, no. shut off all... They're supplementing animals because they want them to mature quickly so they can take them to market quickly. They don't have to wait five years before they no, no, sell not them. Just the, not, not growth acceleration. I'm literally talking about right, like multivitamins. Well, they're putting them in a confined area and using food that's processed and right. you know, dried. And they're not going to... you know, Normally, an animal has a taste. They need salt. They go and they find a rock that has salt on it and they lick right. it. In the setting of a caged animal, they don't have that opportunity. So you have to supplement them. So it's a little bit different. And these are inbred. We're not inbred. We have the ability of listening to our body and taking what we want. And in general, we have a pretty well-rounded diet in our country where we're getting almost all of the nutrients we need. Again, I challenge you to find a friend of yours that has rickets or beriberi or to show me a study in a randomized way that showed a benefit. And they're all done. Right. Right. There's a study you know, showing that if you give a woman over 70 increased vitamin D to increase her level, you increase the beta rate of bone fractures. You don't decrease it. If you give a man vitamin E to prevent cancer, you increase the rate of prostate cancer pretty dramatically, almost 16% in the study. And that was about, a $300 million study. What about folic acid for women who are pregnant? This is a common... So you are right in that there is, you know, there's a condition called pregnancy. We call that a condition in our country. <laughs> um, uh, it's a pre-existing condition. In that setting, taking prenatal vitamins makes all the sense in the world. 
Mm-hmm. And taking high-dose folic acid can actually prevent neural tube defect. We know in adults, for example, that folic acid supplementation doesn't help. And there was mm-hmm. a recent study actually showing significant harm from taking folic acid supplementation if you're not pregnant. So for the average person, you're recommending the oldest piece of advice, make your food your medicine. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the data are saying that. Right. And people get mad at me because they get pissed. He's taking away something I've been doing for 20 years. How dare you say that? I took vitamin C. I didn't get my cold. All the randomized studies have never shown a benefit. So listen, I'm not saying anybody's doing anything wrong. I'm just saying I go by the data. Yeah. Because in general, we are what we call a complex system. When you take a high dose of one thing, you change a lot of other things in the body, and that's what we're seeing. Good question. We have very common one. Austin Rumberg on Facebook Live asks... What about cannabis and marijuana? What's uh-huh. your opinion? <laughs> so one day I, I, I go to my office here around the corner from where you are, and I get there and there are people protesting in front of my office. I go, oh my gosh, what the hell's going on? And they were protesting because that morning on Howard Stern, Neil Young went on and said, uh, Howard said, do you use marijuana? He goes, well, Agus got me to stop doing it. And I'm, you know, he told me the negative. And Howard said, he got me to stop too. And so all of a sudden people were protesting oh my me. Goodness. Wow. So I'm not against marijuana. What I am against is um, uh, uh, the way we're doing marijuana today. Okay. Right. We don't know. Um, and we don't have a way of grading how much of effect of THC and other things are in marijuana. We don't have a way of looking for the chemicals in general so that we're not inhaling into our lungs some potentially toxic chemicals. We don't have a way of actually measuring how much you've had to see if it's safe for you to drive or not. I think most importantly, it's because our government has rated a very high level of narcotic so that me as a doctor can't study it. Right. And so I really think it is crazy that we're putting it at the highest level. Right. So that if I wanted to do a study, I'd have to buy this big safe and get a guard. We can't afford to do that. So they need to change the grading of marijuana to make it lower so we can do the real studies and be able to do it right. Yeah. You know how much wine and because there's a particular (laughs) amount of alcohol in most wines, you know how much you can drink. Yeah. You don't know the potency of these marijuanas. What we also know is that if a young child uses it, it affects their ability later in life with psychiatric disorders. So adults over the age of 25, when the brain has stopped developing, I certainly think it's a reasonable thing to do if you want to do it and understand it. At the same time, I really wish we had quality controls and we were doing it better and we knew the true effect. So I'm not against it. I'm just against the way we're doing it today. Would you? One thing I've said, would you agree with this statement? It makes no sense... Because I don't really smoke weed, so I'm not an advocate either way. Um, alcohol is worse than marijuana. I read that 70%, 70 to 90% of all murders are when people are have been drinking. Uh, domestic violence, DUIs. It, would you say that it's true that it makes no sense in the United States that alcohol is basically legal and it's even somewhat accepted that people under 21 are drinking, even though it's illegal. I mean, people know in colleges, people are drinking at 18. Whereas marijuana is a huge deal in some states, not so much in California. Do you think alcohol, do you think that makes sense? No. I mean, I I think you're totally right that, yes, you can abuse alcohol, you can abuse marijuana, lots of things can be abused, and yet we put marijuana in this pedestal compared to everything else. I think we need to do real science. I think we, you know, if you go driving and they test your alcohol level, we know if you're above a certain level, you are impaired in driving. That's clear. I mean, the data are real and we've seen lots of accidents because of it. We need to do the same with marijuana and every other drug so we can actually do it right, do it responsibly, 
When you do it at home and you're not going out, that's one thing. When you do it, you know, in public or you're driving, you know, with very high levels, that's probably not the safest thing in the world. Yeah. But you're right. Is our policies in alcohol and marijuana don't uh, aren't congruous? So let's talk about Steve Jobs and psychedelics. <laughs> All yes. right. What do you think of? You know, there's people. Uh, McKenna was talking to me about um, ayahuasca, which yes, is a sir. Colombian, uh, well, a rainforest type compound comes where it comes from a root of a plant. You had uh, Steve Jobs told Bill Gates that Steve uh, Bill Gates would have been a lot more creative had he done LSD. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of psychedelics? And let's talk about Steve Jobs because you you have some interesting takes on the Steve Jobs side. Uh, you know, I, I care for Steve. I was one of the doctors. I mean, it certainly was a privilege. Um, I think we're learning about some of these. You know, there's been data out recently that MDMA, you know, ecstasy, yeah. is one of the most potent drugs to treat um, uh, traumatic stress syndromes. Huh. And so the data are dramatic. I mean, these are people who have failed everything and have had post-traumatic stress for years a couple of doses have changed their life. Really? And so all of a sudden, it may be FDA approved to treat post-traumatic syndrome. It went through clinical trials. Or you can just trials. go to a rave. <laughs> right. You can go to a rave. That's true. Um, and who knows what you're going to get yeah, is yeah, the problem. Don't do that. Don't um, do that. Does it, it releases more serotonin or dopamine or something, right? We, we, we have these explanations that okay. we in science come up. It makes serotonin go up and the receptors go down. In reality, the brain is a very complex system. And so we can't give true molecular explanations even though we try Okay. And so a lot of these are really experiences. Some people go on antidepressant and do fantastically. Others don't. It's right. very hard to personalize that. Um, you know, Steve was remarkable. When I knew him, it was post his drug years. So I never saw that aspect of him. But you're right. He certainly talked about it. <laughs> and he certainly about how it changed his life. And, you know, but I think to each his own. Everybody is different. One of my business partners, is a, he's got his PhD in molecular neuroscience. And he says the problem is, with those drugs is we don't know a lot. The brain is still yeah. the wild west frontier. We don't understand yeah. it. So he said, if you do too much of these psychedelics, he doesn't recommend it just because of the unknown factor. Yeah, I you, mean, you do have to be very careful. But um, psilocybin is a little bit different than MDMA, but it has very similar effects. And that changed a lot for me when I was about 15, 16 in similar therapeutic ways. And what did it do to you? It uh, helped heal me from PTSD and depression. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. Good, good, good. Yeah, I did a lot of research and really did it on my own, but I'm very glad. It's a good decision. Good. Yeah. All right, I know you got to go in a couple minutes, but this yes. is fascinating. A couple more quick questions. I'm being selfish. 17 milligrams twice a day. LSD. <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to, you were talking about, before the show started, you were talking about how, yes, ketogenic diet will make you lose weight but there's downsides you brought up hgh so i would i would it was cool uh once a year i go to arnold schwarzenegger has a charity at his house and this year sylvester stallone showed up and i have to say he's almost 70 years old and he looks amazing now he might have had plastic surgery a little bit and this but i mean he has the body uh, if you go look in terms of six pack and this and he is the biggest believer in hgh you said the science shows he's risking 18 years of his life Ooh. by taking HGH. So certainly if I gave a 70 year old comes in and I gave him or her a shot of growth hormone, their friends are going to say, you look better. You lost 10 years. You know, you're working out. It works. I mean, it certainly makes you look better. The problem is it takes over a decade off your life. Ooh. So your muscles get bigger, your heart gets bigger too, and you can get cardiac arrhythmias. The muscles around your lung get bigger and you can't push out bacteria. So you can get increased pneumonias. So, 
there's no way to kind of, you know, uh, synthesize things and be a reductionist. I'm going to take this and be better. You have to look at the data. So there were randomized data in elderly individuals that, again, showed this. And because of that, it wasn't FDA approved for this and it's not on the market. It's only on the market for people of short stature. Yeah. So somebody has to basic. <laughs> so basically somebody has to say this. I'm willing to look great and die younger. And again, I'm not against that. It's their value system. It's a value system-based decision. You know, right. do I want to play with my grandkids or do I want to look good today? And there's no right answer to that. It's the right answer for you. Or just take it when you're 80. And then, oh. yeah, know, but, <laughs> there was a famous bodybuilder that just died a few days ago, Rich Piana, I think was his name. And he was, I mean, the guy took steroids. I think, I think he admitted it. Steroids, kind of the same thing. You get muscles, you look better, but your body, your heart and various organs just can't handle it. Right. And there are obviously a lot of, we hear about, you know, athletes who died at a very young age, many because of these steroids, many because of trauma to the brain or other things. And so, yes, I mean, they, we always give the one example, well, he lived to a long age and he looked great. There are clear exceptions to these. Yeah. But when you look at the collective data, there's harm. When I was in, I moved to North Carolina when I was 13 and we lived on a little farm in Clayton, North Carolina and next door neighbor was an old woman named Mrs. Crete. She was 92 years old. She had a little goat farm and we'd go over there on Sundays to check on her. And I remember her telling me, she was very healthy. She goes, Ty. I smoke every day. I haven't eaten a vegetable in 40 years. And oh, yeah. I she ate Twinkies and donuts. Oh, so there's always those people. Those. Yeah. Do you think they'll be kind of in closing as we talk about living well, the, for- Well, the Twinkie, oh, the preservatives in the Twinkie preserved her <laughs> and she was fine. Oh, my God. No, but do you think in the future we'll be a, one of the ways we'll be able to live longer or potentially, quote unquote, forever is going and f- looking and sequencing a, a Mrs. Creech and going, what the heck is going on? Can we put this into everybody? No question about it. I think looking at extremes is going to be very important. Yeah. The outliers, the outliers, as we call them. Yeah. The other is, you know, you're going to see very soon in the next year, watches come out where they can measure things like insulin and cortisol through the skin. Yes. Wow. So you're going to start to see how an individual food affects you. Yes. How going to sleep early or late affects you. And so all of a sudden you're going to personalize what you do based on real data, not based on the hocus pocus, some of these tests out there, but based on real data. And to me, that's going to be powerful. So last question to close out, sleep. That was a great, I think this is one of the most common questions that I've seen. Is there such a thing as somebody who can be a night owl? There's a, what's that book that came out? Um, The Power of When? No, there's a guy, he says there's different types of people that some people have evolutionary kind of variability. Some people fit in the slot of night owls, but there's other people who say, no, we have this circadian rhythm and the sunlight. What's your take on sleep? Is it variable or is there some common rules we should all follow? So the first is there was an experiment done on kids and 600 kids. They said to the parents, have them go to bed whenever they want. Wake them up. Here's a stopwatch. Wake them up uh, nine hours later. Okay. The other 600, they said, go to bed the same time every night and wake up in nine hours. So same amount of sleep, one whenever they wanted and one the same. 21% improvement in cognitive function when you go to bed the same time and get up the same time. Mm-hmm. The next is- So by, you're just saying everyone, let's say, went to bed at nine and so, woke up at six. Exactly. And so that, that was a benefit there. The second is, you know, your body does strive for that regularity. So if you go to bed every night at 2 a.m. and you get up at 8 a.m. and you get, you know, six hours, your body is going to get a certain percentage of REM sleep. Mm-hmm. That person who goes to bed at nine o'clock and gets up at eight o'clock 
they're going to get a much lower percentage of REM sleep. Your body regulates it once you get into that normal schedule. Hmm. So there certainly are some people who could do relatively low amount of sleep. Their percentage REM is going to be a lot higher than someone who gets longer sleep. Hmm. Right. But the key is that regularity. As much as possible, try to go to bed at the same time and get up the same time. And you're going to function better, you're going to do better, and your health is going to be better. But the light affects us because I, believe yes. it or not, I lived with the Amish for two and a half years, no electricity when I was younger. And you fall asleep. There is no night owls yeah. at the Amish. There's no blue. <laughs> there's no blue light. There's no phones. So we we were going back to this earlier topic, and you were talking about how farm animals are kind of need supplements because they're in this environment that's artificial. But we kind of are in that artificial. No, environment. you're right. So yeah. I wear those, you know, yellow glasses, blue gamer blockers. glasses yep. at night when I, you know, I, I need to watch TV before I go to bed. I like to. I enjoy it. I like to look at some emails. So I use them starting a couple hours before I go to bed. Yes. And it's made a big impact on my sleep. Yeah. You know, the second is, is that I sleep with the curtains open. You know, I want to wake up to sunlight. Okay. Um, you know, do tomorrow, you go to bed at eight o'clock at night? Tomorrow morning, <laughs> I do the morning show and I'm, you know, I'm live on air at 4.15 a.m. on CBS. Ooh. So it's live in New York. So yeah. I'm up at 2.30 and I got to be in the studio. And so I don't practice always what I preach, um, <laughs> but I try to go to bed, you know, earlier and I get up earlier most days. To me, the morning is the best time there is, right? Mm-hmm. It's great to work there. Nobody bothers you. Me and the dog sit. I get to write and do things. Yeah. That's how Ty feels, but he goes to bed at 4 a.m. instead. Not always. Uh, <laughs> All right. So Dr. Agus has to go to a more important uh, interview. No, this is ours. the most important. <laughs> believe me. So we're gonna let you go, and uh, we'll keep going here with the podcast. But I want to thank you. Now, where can people? What's the best? Do you recommend they go to your website? Do they buy this book, "The Lucky Years: uh, How to Thrive in the Brave New World of Health"? Howard Stern. If you buy just one health book this year, get this one. I like so that. I've written three books. The first book was a book uh, called uh, a sh- An End of Illness. Okay. And so, you know, I originally called it uh, What is Health? Because to me, it's a key question. I didn't know what health was. Right. And about a week later, the publisher called me up and goes, Steve Jobs called and changed the title of your book. Wow. Oh. What? You got overridden. Steve, I go, what are you doing? He goes, you can't put the word health in the title. People's eyes glaze over. Once you say health, it's like chewing cardboard and people aren't going to be excited. So huh. he came up with this bold title. Yeah. And it's about modeling the body and disease as a complex system. It's about my philosophy on disease. Yeah. The second book is called A Short Guide to a Long Life. So it's okay. 56 rules of to-dos I've and read not that to-dos. Book. That book I've read. I've read that was a while ago you put that That was out. a while ago. That came yes. out about four and a half years yeah. ago. And this one's and then, from a year and a half ago, This is a year and a half ago. It's called The Lucky Years. You know, yeah. How to Thrive in the Brave New World of Health. And this is about the future. This is about all the technologies that are happening and that will happen. And I get to cheat a little, right? I get to see what's going to happen because we're involved in all the studies and the technologies. And so this is, you know, an optimist book. It really is an optimist view of the world. Yeah. Okay. Amazon.com. Go get the book. You know, I love books. Dr. Agus, I am very happy that you made some time. And I, I hope you'll be back here one of these days listen i live around the corner so sure i love it awesome thanks so much thank you guys yeah i really appreciate it